On this episode of the Ball Talk Pod, Oak Hill Academy assistant coach Cliff Conley joined the show to discuss his role at Oak Hill and how he got there. This is the Ball Talk Pod. Evan Kinsley, starting now. Welcome and thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Ball Talk Pod. As always, this is your host, Evan Kinsler, and today I'm joined by Oak Hill Academy assistant coach and former Asbury men's basketball player, Cliff Conley. Cliff, thanks for joining me today. Absolutely, man. Glad to, glad to be on with you. Cliff, I know your story of how you got to Oak Hill Academy, but could you share that with my viewers? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I grew up um, actually probably 30 miles from, from Oak Hill Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, played high school ball, you know, about 30, 30 miles down the road. Um, so I think growing up when I was, when I was young, I, I remember my dad, uh, my dad asked me if I wanted to go, go see an Oak Hill game. And at the time, I was probably five, six years old. So, of course, being an idiot, I told him no, <laughs> um, and I wanted to stay home. But uh, my brother went, my older brother went, and then t- came back and, and told me how, how amazing it was. And um, So I had to go the second time, and it just so happens that uh, the, the first time I ever saw Oak Hill play uh, was when John Rondo and Josh Smith were, were out there. So I That's think awesome. that was 2004-ish. Um, but, I mean, just as a little kid, you know, and you, you've got your own concept of what high school basketball looks like and – that's a whole whole nother level obviously so that was that was pretty cool um so growing up you know i I, once once that once i went and saw a game you know i definitely definitely knew um what oak hill was about um and thankfully actually when i was in high school my junior year um my strength and conditioning coach um his name is yerick stoneman who's now he's now the head coach at at ridgeview high school in, in south carolina um before before I, I knew Coach Stoneman, he was actually an assistant. Uh, he was an assistant at Oak Hill Academy for about I want to say nine, ten, eleven years, something something like that. Um, and so once I got to know him, and you know, once he became a, again mentor of mine, um, he actually got me over there to Oak Hill. Um, I would play pickup with the guys, with the gold team guys, with the red team guys. Um, you know, when I was a junior and senior in high school, and uh, then then my senior year summer of my senior year um i started working basketball camps um and, and oak hill was was you know right down the road and coach stoneman was able to hook me up with you know with a couple weeks down there and you know just just loved it so you know from my senior year of high school through my my college career up until now you know i was working basketball camps um, at oak hill so i i've been around the program for probably I'd say five to six years in terms of working camps. Um, but after my senior year of high school, um, went to college, went to uh, play Division three at Emory and Henry College, which is about uh, probably an hour um, from Oak Hill um, towards around the Bristol, Tennessee area. Mm-hmm. Um, for I don't know, I don't know how many viewers know know uh, you know that that area at all. But um, you know, I'm I'm a Virginia boy. I'm Southwest Virginia. Um, guy, so you know most people know know about Emory and Henry at least around around here. Um, but I played played my first two years there, um, enjoyed my experience there. Played under a great coach um, and, and David Wilson. Um, then then my junior year, I decided to um, to transfer to um, Asbury, obviously. And uh, you know right off the bat, I, 
that was that was one of the places that I was thinking about going because um, you know Coach Shouse is um, indirectly related to Coach Smith. Obviously, um, Coach Shouse is the son-in-law to Coach Smith's uh, twin brother, uh, Stu Smith. Who's that? I think Stu is an old uh, dean of students at Asbury. So uh, they they had that connection there and met Coach Shouse working working basketball camps at Oak Hill because he would come down in the summers. Um, and do the same thing that I was doing. So I met him there. Um, he would he would see me work out from time to time, play pickup after the camps were over. So um, when I decided I was going to transfer, that was definitely one of the places I was thinking about going. And uh, just so happened, things worked out. And you know, I played my last two years, my junior and senior year, um, you know, at Asbury University. Really enjoyed my time there. Um, had had a couple opportunities, to, you know, to play professionally uh, at some level. Um, just decided not to pursue it after um, doing doing my own research and talking to some guys. Um, wanted wanted to do something something a little different, and um, we're actually at the the Asbury Golf Experience, which I think you guys are, are doing this year. If I'm I'm correct, there um, doing we were there working that, and of course Coach Smith, he's a heck of a golfer. Um, he's an Asbury alum, so you know he's going to be there. Um, so he's out there golfing. And just uh, just asked me, said, hey, hey, what are you doing? Um, you know, I know you're graduating this year. What are you going to be doing next year? And at the time, I had no idea. Um, so he said, well, give me a call in a week, and we'll see if we can we can work something out. So, you know, um, after I finished my playing career, he offered offered um, offered me a job to to come down here and and be a coach. And it's I think it'd be hard for anybody to turn down a, a job coaching at Oak Hill Academy. So, so I'm here now, and I'm, I'm enjoying my time. Yeah, and I absolutely love your story, and that's the reason why I wanted you to share it. I wanted to, uh, for people to hear that. Um, I'm at Asbury now. I'm not sure if all my viewers know that. So um, you and me met um, while I was deciding if I was going to go to Asbury or not. Um, one of the professors that I spoke to uh, was telling me about your story. So he hooked us up. That's how... I know you, uh, for the viewers who are wondering how that connection came about. Yeah, and just your story about like connection, just meeting people, going to do the camps, that's like really what I've been wanting to do, and I've talked to mm-hmm. you about that a little bit, so I just wanted um, people to hear that. And just in oh, my yeah. sports management courses, they, they've been preaching connections, and I, I've known that for years. That's the amazing reason, right. main reason why I've done this podcast, so I can meet new people in the – sports industry so yeah thank you for sharing that absolutely i mean like you said it's a great way to do it um networking is huge especially obviously in this in the coaching world so um you know the the sooner you can build that up you know the better off you're going to be no question you talked about um coach smith's golf game how's your golf game (laughs) Uh, my golf game right now is pretty non-existent (laughs) um i think i took a golf class my sophomore year of of college and um, i'm I'm starting to get into it a little bit more now because I, I really don't have a choice here because um, Coach Smith golf, all the assistant coaches golf, um, the red team head coach golf. So you know, at some point, it's just if I'm going to be over here, I, I gotta I gotta get my golf game up. So um, I've I've gone to the range probably three or four times, um, just just trying to hit some balls and and figure it out. It's been it's been a while, but. Um, def- definitely not to, to Coach Smith's level. I, I will say that, um, but but I'm I'm hoping to to get to a point where you know I can I can be out there 
and uh, golf be enjoyable and it not be something that I don't look forward to. Uh, <laughs> so. I, I played my last two years of high school, um, and I really just did it because I was bored and I wanted to learn the game, <laughs> but I was never any good. I always – and I, I've heard that this is something that happens with a lot of, like, golfers that don't aren't very experienced. I mean, usually hit it to the right, and that's what yep. I do every time. Yep. My, my putting game isn't that bad, actually, but my driver – if I hit it right, it's pretty good. But normally, I, I slice it to the right. Oh yeah, that's that's a given for me at this point. Uh, yeah. I, I think I went golfing uh, two summers ago, first time I ever ever played eighteen, and I was slicing so bad I just decided to open up completely to the left. So then just overcompensate for my for my slice. So you know if I was aiming, you know forty five degrees degrees to the left, maybe it would go. It would, it would go somewhat straight. <laughs> that was my philosophy that summer, but I definitely get that, no question. Yeah. And um, you talked about the red team and the gold team. What's what is that? Mm-hmm. And I know we talked a little bit before the show, and that you, uh, your current role at um, Oak Hill is that you help with the red team. Can you share a little bit about right. what those two teams are and what's your responsibility with the red team? Yeah, for sure. Um, so. Most people, when you think of Oak Hill Academy, you think of the gold team. Um, you think of those. You think of those ESPN top 100 recruits, um, all, all those kind of guys. And I work sparingly with them. Um, do a, do a couple of workouts with them here and there. Uh, but my my primary responsibility is to work with with our red team, which is our um, our our B team. Our, but it's still a varsity team, but it's our B team. Um, the gold team players usually 95% of those guys are are scholarship players. Uh, the red team, we are all uh, they're all full payers, um, so they, they're paying paying full tuition to come here. Um, but um, as far as, as far as the high school basketball program goes, we're we're very very competitive. Um, you know, on a, any given year, I'd say we have anyone from anywhere from eight to twelve players on our team that are going to play or have the ability to play um, college basketball at some level. Um, and you know, originally when I came over here. You know, just just because you know I, I'm like everybody else. You see the gold team, you want to be around those guys, um, and and I do, I still do to an extent. But at the same time, you know, with with my experience, you know, I played Division three and then I played played in the NAI. So um, I don't really know what it's like to you know to be heavily recruited, you know, your eighth and ninth grade years. I don't know what it's like to be like to be that. I don't know what it's like to to be you know one of the best players in the country um and so it's a completely different um uh, you know feel that i think that they have to go through um comparatively speaking to our red team guys who like i said are good enough to play uh d3 d2 and and maybe you know we have we have maybe one a year play um some sort of low major division one um but so i know i know that realm and i know i know what they need to do um to be seen and all those things. So I've actually really enjoyed, and I think I think it's a God thing, just putting me in the right position um, to where I can be most useful um, in these kids' lives. Is, is just helping them, um, you know, realize you know, what what Division three looks like, what Division two looks like. Um, just getting them acclimated to, you know, it, it, just because you're not playing Division one, just because you're not going to Carolina or Duke, you know, just you're still going to be playing some high level basketball. Yeah. Um, so uh, I I've really enjoyed that aspect of it, um, just trying to trying to help these kids day to day with their mindset and their approach, and you know really really giving them um, 
you know, making sure that they're responsible for themselves um, because at the level that they're going to be playing, you know, when I was in college, you know, nobody, Division three and the NAIA, and the only thing that was mandatory was, was practice for two hours out of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can be, you can be a, a fine player, you know, practicing two hours out of the day, but, you know, Division one level, there obviously there's mandatory, you know, whether it's morning workouts, mandatory lifts, you know, there's, there's things that you have to go to. So even whether you want to or not, you know, you're, you're being, being offered a scholarship to play at a high level, you're going to do those things. So, you know, division three and and NAIA, it's really up to you as to how, how good of a player you want to become. So that's, that's what I've been working on too. It's just making sure that they realize that it really is going to be on them. Yeah, for sure. I really, really enjoy it right now. And you've got a new podcast, and we've talked a little bit, a little bit about this. Um, and this show is available on YouTube. It's called the Playbook, and I was just listening to it just before we uh, got on the air. So, um, Cliff, can you, what is this show about for people who haven't heard of it, and what made you want to do this show? Yeah. Um, well, right now we're we're really trying to focus on um, just just our region. Um, we, we think we've got a lot of great coaches and, and it's not just, it's not, not just basketball. It's, it's, we try to, we're going to try to encompass um, as many sports as we can. And, um, you know, we really just try to talk to, to people that have been successful in the arena. Um, you know, whether we, we've talked to a, a great football coach who's, who's been at the same high school for 46 years, I believe. Um, so just picking his brain, um, seeing, seeing, you know how how people build a program, how you can stay somewhere for that long. Um, we, you know, I, it's myself and actually my eighth grade basketball coach, uh, a guy named Patrick Puckett. Um, we're doing it together. We we just want to uh, just try to get a behind the scenes look at uh, you know maybe what goes through coaches' minds, and eventually we want to extend that into you know whether it's former players, uh, referees, all those sorts of things. Um, we just want to see what, you know, what maybe it's what their daily routines are or just, or just their mindset in general um, as to how you can continue to do something and, and you know, be successful and be successful and be successful. Um, so, you know, I, we, we look for real answers. Um, that's the thing, too, that I, I try to pride myself on with the red team is I, I, I will never give you coach speak. Um, so we try, to, we try to get out get outside of that on our podcast too we want we want the real answers um the answers that people need to hear not want to hear and and hopefully you know people are able to able to take something from that um so we're excited about it we're we i think we put out two so far i've got got some more um, that i'm that i'm in the editing process with but we're excited about it and um you know i've learned already i've learned so much from from the you know these podcasts that we've done just you know realizing you know what what these people you know again stories just how they got there and you know why they continue to do it and that's so, also I've so really that's sort of the playbook in a nutshell yeah and I've really enjoyed doing my podcast I've not really ever wanted to do media for my career but just hearing people's stories and uh, what their daily lives is about has been super interesting whether it's former professional athletes or if it's coaches or media members it's just really interesting to pick people's minds on things um and when i was listening to your um your show earlier and you just talked about it a few minutes like a few 
minutes ago, you talked about the referees. I thought that was so interesting about hearing what the referees uh, think and how oh, they yeah. view the game. That I never thought about that before. Um, so that that's really interesting, and I, I'm really looking forward to hearing your first show with a referee. <laughs> we're we're excited too. We, I mean. I don't know what goes on in their mind, so I gotta, I gotta figure it out. I can need to use that to my advantage, you know. Yeah, and you just think how <laughs> yeah, many? We're, we're, a lot of referees that have been. I know a lot at my in my high school. Uh, we've had referees that have been refing for thirty plus years, so they've seen a ton of basketball. Mm-hmm. Have seen how the high school game has changed, the college game has changed. So, I think that's yeah. really interesting. That's an interesting dynamic as well. For sure, for sure, yeah, definitely, definitely want to hear their input on those things. Yeah, and Coach Schaus, we talked about him earlier. He's the head coach at Asbury. Uh, we talked yesterday at practice. I told him that you were coming on my show, and uh, he told me that you were a great shooter when you played under him. And uh, he told me, in particular, a game where against uh, Rao Grand in Ohio, where you had 37 points. He said that uh, you barely hit the net whenever you started yeah, getting real hot. So uh, I wanted to pick your brain on what you think is the most important um, thing on being a c- consistent shooter at the college level. Man, uh, I mean, out. I will say outside of preparation, um, it, we that's got to be a given. Um, you know, so I'll, I'll talk about that first. I know that, you know, throughout my career, and I started early, um, I think, in terms of having having the correct form, I, I owe a lot of credit um, to my dad for teaching me how to how to shoot, um, those sort of things. So I mean, it, it really does start start at a young age, um, and it's just it's just repetition, repetition, repetition. Um, and with that, you know, it, your confidence is going to stem from your preparation. So you know, when when I was in, you know, anywhere from ninth grade through you know my my senior year of, of college, I was shooting at least 300 shots a day um you know every day and that you know outside of practices and things like that and you know you add all that up over the course of what what eight years um and and you're going to get somewhere you're going to you're going to separate yourself from other people um so i I would say obviously preparation and your confidence that stems from the preparation um and i would say and lastly you know we we coaches we teach next play um, which is great. I I I think it's a, it, you know it's definitely important. If you're making a mis- if you make a mistake, obviously, especially in the game of basketball, you can't dwell on that mistake. Um, but I would say as a shooter, you you need to have a selective memory. Um, just remember the times that you make it, um, and forget the times that you don't. So I would I I would dwell on the on you know on the makes and and that would constantly be in my head um, every time I shot the ball. Um, it might have been a little, <laughs> a little arrogant, but every time I shot the ball, I thought it was going in. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, and again, it just, it just stems from, from just hours of being in the gym and, and you know, near, nearly a million shots out, outside of practice uh, to prepare for those, for those moments. And I know a lot of people think that like watching film is like mostly for the point guard and like uh, just knowing the game of basketball but I think that the shooters really need to watch a lot of film because if you watch the film of great shooters like Kyle Korver, J.J. Redick, Ray Allen, those guys, Clay Thompson, the guys that really are awesome at moving without the ball, just watching those guys and seeing like some of the things they do. Um, One of the guys that I've, when I was 
I used to have a dream of playing college basketball, and I've I got away from that. But um, the guy that I really learned a lot from uh, was Kevin Love. Um, uh-huh. I know you don't. I know he's a stretch big, and you don't really think of him as the Kyle Culver type. But the way he would um, he got set for the ball, he'd ha- he'd always be on his tippy toes. So when he'd get down, yeah. he'd be, be straight up and be able to get a shot off. So that that part really helped me out on being a better shooter. Um, and I was wondering um, how much film did you watch getting ready to like take some of their um, some of the parts of their game to add to yours? Did you watch much film on that? Are you talking about in terms of, of watching other players or watching yes. the teams that we were going to play? Watching other players. Uh, well, I mean, I, I try to take a lot from, like you said, uh, Clay Thompson, J.J. Redick. Um, J.J., you know, I, I grew up a North Carolina fan, so I hated J.J. <laughs> for half of my life. Um, but he, he's, act, he's, he's from Virginia. He's actually from, from the area, um, and I, I played – AAU for um, his high school high school basketball coach. Hmm. So uh, so just watching him, um, watching Clay, um, watching Steph sparingly. I think I think when kids watch Steph, they they just immediately try to do what he does on the floor, and they yeah. don't realize what the guy does. Um, whether it's you know hours before the game, when the cameras are off. I think that's that's important to, to realize but um in terms of being on balance and those things um watching jj watching clay um those are two for me and you just you really learn and i learned this throughout my career too the higher levels that you play the details become just so much yeah. more important um whether it's you know coming off of the screen correctly setting your feet being on balance and always catching ready to shoot um, and I think a lot of guys, I've done some videos on this myself um, on my YouTube page, but a lot of guys will catch and then they'll, so they'll step into their shot, they, but they won't step in while the ball's in the air. They will step in once they catch the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that eliminates um, whatever space that you would, that you would initially created. So um, again, I, I think your feet just become more and more and more important um, as you go up the ladder. Because um, a quick release, all it's always going to stem from from how quick your feet are and, yep. and how quickly you can get off the floor. So um, that's that's what I really tried to do, and really really repped, um, you know, outside of practices, and, and that's what I really looked for in, in other guys' games. Yeah, and I, I think footwork is definitely the most important part. I um, mean, you obviously have to have the right shooting mechanics, but footwork plays a big deal into how quick you can get your shot off. Um, and now we're going to trans. We're going to go into the talking about the NBA a little bit. Um, you know, I'm a Laker guy, and I think are you, you're a LeBron guy, aren't you? I, I love LeBron. I, I don't know how you can't like the guy. Yeah, I know. Me. But uh, the Lakers Nuggets game four tonight. The Lakers lead the series two to one. Lost last game. They were up. They were down twenty points in the fourth quarter and got it down to three. Then they just didn't have enough gas left in the tank, so they lost that game, one fourteen, one oh six. I don't know if you watched this game or not, uh, Cliff, but what do you think of this series so far? Man, I I first want to say it's it's been so so awesome to watch Jamal Murray uh, just throughout this. Oh whole, man, come on, Lakers only. <laughs> 
throughout throughout the whole bubble, um, the guy has been unreal, um, and he does he he does a lot of things that are that are just it's just a cerebral type thing. It's it's not he's not gonna um, you know wow you with his incredible athleticism. He yeah. doesn't have a, a you know doesn't have great size, but um, he knows what to do, and he knows he knows what he's capable of, and he mm-hmm. and he works within that. And I think you know the Nuggets in general have have obviously overperformed for for everybody including myself um but they're i mean they're a great team to watch they i i I thought even last year um they were so young but but you could see you could see how many i mean they they've got some players on that team they're all young but they they've got plenty of guys that that can hurt you in 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 a variety of ways so I, i i do i do enjoy watching them um that being said um you got the the greatest player in the world on the other on the other team, and then you got a, a top five guys at least um, right beside him. And I think I think playoff Rondo plays a big difference. Um, ha- having that guy back is a huge difference maker for the for the Lakers. Um, so I mean, as much as I I do enjoy the Nuggets, um, I, I mean, like I said, I have a great respect and uh, I enjoy watching LeBron. Um, I know people gave. They gave him so much crap for for passing to to Caruso, to Caruso, but I mean, again, it's the right play to make. I think he makes he makes the right play. Yeah. Um. So so I I enjoy that and respect that from him. But so all that to say, yeah, the Nuggets are are overperforming, but you know, at some point you you can't. I don't think they could pass the Lakers. Um. I, I they may win one more game this series, but um, I, I think that's it. So. Um, I, I, I could I definitely see the Lakers Lakers taking that and and I think Rondo um, too uh, and I don't know if this is just a an O kill thing or what but or maybe it was just because he was the first person I ever saw play but uh, I've always thought and I will, for whatever reason I'll probably continue to think that whenever if he is still in the league I will always think he's one of the top point guards in the league just the way he facilitates the game um, again he's a, he's a cerebral guy. Um, and just just knows where people should be and knows where they're going to be and and we he will always get somebody the ball um, um, in in a place where they can where they can score so I love watching him and I think he's a huge difference maker in this Lakers team now yeah um, I watch every Laker game so um, regular season Rondo is not the same guy as playoff Rondo um, he was not very good in, in the last two seasons has he been a Laker. So um, I wasn't really expecting a whole lot. I was hoping playoff Rondo was real, and so far it has been. He didn't have a very good game. Well, until the fourth quarter, he didn't have a very good game, uh, game three. Um, but mm-hmm. it has been it has been nice having Rondo really um, pick up whenever LeBron's been off the court, and even when LeBron's been on the court, that pairing has been really well. And that's something that was not there in the regular season. It was not good right. basketball when the two were together in the regular season, yeah. and it was a really a head-scratcher because those guys are both ball-dominant players. So, But it's really mm-hmm. nice, at me being a Laker fan, seeing um, that those two were able to uh, really have good chemistry out there. Um, you know, I'm a Kentucky guy. Um, I grew up 45 minutes from Rupp Arena, so I've always been um, a big Cats fan. And I love Jamal yeah. Murray in college. And it's interesting. I don't not a lot of people have talked about this, but Jamal Murray played shooting guard at Kentucky. And mm-hmm. that, whenever he was being drafted, it was 
he was to be a shooting guard. And some teams talked about maybe uh, if we could uh, turn him to a point guard. And the Nuggets have done that, and they've reaped the benefits of that. It's been uh, he's done a really good job um, running the show for Denver. But I've not been a big Jamal Murray fan since 2018 because. Me being a Laker fan, I was a huge Lonzo Ball fan. Lonzo was my favorite player um, before LeBron got there. He disrespected Lonzo. And a lot of Laker fans do not like Jamal Murray because of this. It was the end of the game. Uh, I think the Nuggets – it was I think tw- it was 2018. The Lakers were, were a middle-of-the-road team. I think they got 35 wins. Um, and that was really good for that roster, especially how many injuries they had. So, we mm-hmm. as Laker, it felt like one of the, like the the nineties Lakers. I know the nineties Lakers were actually pretty good, but it had that vibe to it, where they weren't yeah. championship contender, but you could tell they were up and coming. Um, but the Nuggets had won that game, and then he started circling around Lonzo just to like toy with him. So. I've not really been a huge Jamal Murray guy since that point, but being I was a fan of his in college, so it is nice seeing that um, he's really been able to uh, carve out a role in the NBA, and he looks like a future star. I know uh, maybe this playoff run will give him more confidence the regular season. Maybe he can bump his scoring up and get into the All Star game next year. But you never know with the West. There's some great there's some great guys at West that. And there's always oh, all-star goodness. snubs every year, so we'll see how it so goes next here. year. Yeah, I know. It's yep. it's crazy. Um, and then looking at the other side of the bracket, um, we've got Celtics and the Heat. Um, I don't like the Celtics. I'm a Laker fan. But it would be bittersweet beating the Celtics to tie them in championships. So, um, mm-hmm. But Heat look, the Heat looked like they were in control of this series. They won last night. 112-109 and lead the series 3-1. Another Kentucky guy going off at Tyler Harrow, the rookie, had 37 points. Um, a surprise to many. He's been very good in the playoffs, but we didn't really see that 37-point outburst. We weren't, Nobody was expecting that. Um, Cliff, what do you think about this series? Um, and do you think the Celtics can make this uh, an interesting series, take it to seven games? And number number one, it, it, the East is just a shock in general, right? Um, I, I mean, everybody, of course, is going to expect Giannis and 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 the Bucks to be to be in this position. Um, and it was a shock to me that they weren't. Um, so kudos to to Miami for for getting for getting to this to this point. Um, but I mean, and I, I I do I enjoy watching this series. Um, I'd I'd kind of like it to to go to seven games selfishly, um, just to see him play. I think you know I think they both teams play extremely hard, uh, and and you've got a, you got a bunch of great young guys on on each team. Um, so I, I I enjoy watching it. Number one, um, and and Harrow is Harrow's one of those guys, man. He's he he can do he can do a a, a bunch of different things. And I don't think people realize that really until um, you know the, the spotlight's on them. Yeah. So uh, I, I I look for him to to be you know to grow into you know a, a superstar at some point. Obviously, the the kid dropped dropped thirty, and I I guess I can say kid now. It's it's and that's that's another thing. Just watching 
my first year, my freshman year of college, watching um, <laughs> watching college guys on college play on TV, and, and I'm a, I'm a college basketball player watching them play. So it is it is kind of kind of strange to see a what a, he's 20, right? 20 years old. Yeah, he's 20. Um, just just going crazy. Um, so, but I, I do I, I enjoy his game. I think he's got a, a lot of potential to to just continue to improve and and be be the guy. Um, whether it's in Miami, whether it's somewhere else, but um, man, I, just just because of the momentum Miami's carried this whole time, I I, I think that they that they win again. Um, mm-hmm. That that you know it's a it's a four one series and and that'll be what it'll be. But um, selfishly, I would love to see Boston win a couple games just so I can I can keep seeing that that matchup because yeah. I do enjoy watching it. I saw something on Twitter. Um, somebody said, "If the Heat win the cha- imagine if the Heat win the championship, everybody's got the champagne bottles and Tyler Harrow's outside with the Capri Sun." That was one of my <laughs> one of my favorite things I saw on Twitter today. So uh, oh, that was that's, that's, I did I I saw that meme. Oh, that's that's great. Yeah, that's great. I love and that. I, I, what we didn't talk about either was was Jimmy Butler. Obviously, yeah. he's he's the lifeblood of that team now, and so the major 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 hats off to that guy. Yeah. Um, Again, just just somebody that that you want to see succeed at this point. Just yeah. everything he's been through in his life. Um, if, you, if you listen to that guy's story, um, you, you want him to be successful. So it is mm-hmm. it is good to see that. Yeah, uh, and I know that Jimmy's gotten a bad rep in the past about being like a locker room cancer and that kind of stuff. But it just feels like Miami's like the perfect place for him. And I know a lot of people perfect. talked like that, but like Jimmy Butler's got a lot of dog in him. I know. A lot of people have been t- saying oh, that does. in the um, about the Clippers. They have a lot of dog in them, but Jimmy Butler's really got it. And Miami's the perfect place for that. They've got tough guys. Pat Riley, super tough guy, has been around the game forever. So I think that that is the best uh, situation that Jimmy Butler could have asked for. And um, they've really um, done well with him. So I'm excited to see um, if they make the finals, how they match up. With hopefully the Lakers, I think that'll be a really interesting series. So I'm really excited to see what that series holds as well. But Cliff, I went a little bit over time today, um, but I just really appreciate you coming on the show and um, good luck this year at Oak Hill. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Love to do it again. Take care. Thank you for listening. Check out all my shows on BallTalkPod.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and all social media outlets.